Well, let's turn your faith dial over to wide open. Receive from the Lord what he has for us this morning. Don't we have the best king? Say the only capital G king, right? Or capital K king. He's God king. That's why I say capital G. If you think I've forgotten how to spell. (laughs) Are you a people of prayer? You know, Jesus said we should pray. He said when you pray. So the expectation is that you will, right? Pray. And prayer changes things. I find it interesting that some of the most um, amazing moments in Jesus' earth walk were immediately after or during His prayers. You know, the transfiguration happened when He went to the mountain and He was praying. And while He was praying, this whole transfiguration happened. And so, he, they came and talked to Him and gave Him instruction for the future. Told Him, revealed things to Him and explained. And I don't know what all they talked about, but there was a conversation that went on, okay? And that happened in that moment of prayer, in that moment of communion, in that moment of fellowship. And so, I want to encourage you. We have uh, nothing more important is going on at Church of the Word International than our Saturday night prayers. And so, a Saturday night, every Saturday night from 6 to 8, we have a time of prayer down in the fellowship hall. Everyone's invited. You can come and go as you please. You don't have to stay for the whole thing if you don't want to. Um, Most of us usually do, just because we don't want to leave until it, it seems like it's finished, right? And, um, but, but I'm telling you, there's nothing more important that's happening than what's taking place on Saturday night here. So I encourage you to come out and to be a people of prayer. And you say, well, maybe, um, you know, I can pray at home. It's true. You better be. Uh, but more than just praying at home, there is an, uh, a corporate prayer, a coming together when we agree on things together that brings a unity and when we look at each other and we, we pray and talk to the Father together on an issue, there's a unity that happens there. And so, um, come out and, and test it. See if what I'm saying is true. So speaking of prayer, we're going to take a moment and pray on two things right now. Uh, one is, we're going to pray for our sister Linda Deem. She, a week ago today, had fallen and broken her shoulder. And I found out late last night about this. And so she has um, some sort of newfangled cast on her to try to make it immobile. But where their faith is, is they want to see supernatural speedy recovery. That it not be the weeks and weeks and long drawn out healing process that the body normally heals at. But we know that with God, that thing is able to be just sped up. And be over in no time at all. So let's pray that way. Um, And then we're also, um, for those of you that want to do something for the Lord, you can sign up. We're going to have a sign up for meals and things for them. So be watching for that on our Facebook page. Which reminds me, if you haven't liked the church Facebook page, do that. That way you get the notifications when we put things out. And um, we also have a hospitality page that we add you to, and if you're not on that page and you consider yourself a part of this church, 
uh, come let Debbie know or myself know or one of the other team leaders and uh, we'll make sure that you get put on that hospitality page because there's where we put things like meals and here's a need, there's a need, those kind of things. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank You so much that Your ear is open to hear us. And Father, we lift Linda up to You right now. And we just declare life and healing over her. We recognize that You bore all our pain, all our sicknesses, all our infirmities. And and this broken shoulder is no trouble at all for You. So we call it healed and whole in the name of Jesus. Fully functionable. Fully working. Free of pain, Father, that's what we see. And we thank You for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we call every need of Jim and Linda met. I thank You, Lord, that You give Jim all the grace he needs for this time as they walk through this as they, and that it's going to be short. Short, short, short time. I thank You for it in Jesus' name. The other thing we're going to pray about is yesterday was... Independence Day, right? And um, if you have not, if you have not picked up a Declaration of Independence recently, do so and read it. I think maybe it was last year that I read the whole thing here, and um, and that was that was fun. We're not going to take the time to do that this morning, but do be acquainted with some of the documents that lie at the foundation of this nation. Documents that were formed because of people's belief in something that was greater than themselves. In the Father. And so as they built on scriptural principles and they wrote these documents, you know, this is the, our Constitution that later the Declaration of Independence you know, led to the formation of our Constitution in this nation. Well, that's the longest continuously operated upon constitution in the world today. And while it's not without fault, it is based on scriptural principles. And so you and I's job is not to sit back in horror and watch the news and watch everything go to hell in a handbasket around us. But you and I's job is to be salt. And we do this from scriptural principles from what Jesus did on the cross from the heart of the father this is how we do this sure you can be an activist in many things but first and foremost you are a christian first and foremost you operate from the principles of the law of life on the inside of you and then after that all the other things come after that and flow out of that and so this time of, of celebrating our independence when it looks like many of our liberties have evaporated and faded away, right? It's not what it used to be. And of course, that doesn't come as any surprise. If you've read the Bible, you know things are going to get worse before they all get better. And so rather than act uh, dismayed and surprised and shocked and like, how can it be? No, we saw this coming, but there's an answer for it. And we're ready for it. And, and so, how do we do that? Well, first, we pray. First, we pray. We pray for our leaders. We pray for those in authority. We pray for those that are decision makers and those that represent you and I. And of course, then there's a responsibility to vote, which you'll have uh, coming up in November soon. 
You know, from March until, really from the beginning of the year, things have just been a little crazy. And that's an understatement. After this, if you want to describe something as crazy, Shane, you just tell them it was 2020. <laughs> They'll understand what you mean, right? That was the first half of the year. And so, as we watched all these things take place, and right now it seems like there is a, a slight reprieve. You know, how long is that reprieve going to last? I can't tell you. But don't squander it. Don't squander this moment. The forces of evil that are working in the nation, they're going to continue to try to work. And they're going to approach from a different angle and see if they can't make it worse. See if they can't multiply problem upon problem. And so you and I's job, we're going to, we're going to take authority in the spiritual realm. Authority that's been given to us. You know, you and I, we belong in this land, in this nation. It's our nation. It doesn't belong to them. We operate from a higher spiritual plane than them. So we can bind things before they happen. We can loosen things that they try to bind. And the one that speaks with the authority from heaven is the one who wins. Remember David and Goliath? I mean, Goliath had, a de- Goliath, he had declarations that he was going to do to David and to all of Israel. David had declarations that he was going to do to Goliath and the Philistines. And who won? The one that was speaking the word of the Lord into the situation. The one that was declaring. The one that had already spent time with the Father praying. The one who had the vision of the Father on the inside of him. And so this is important that we don't squander this moment of reprieve in, in July and in August. Because in September and October, I'm suspecting things are probably going to warm up as we move into the election season. Warm up in not a good way. And so, you don't get into fear. You don't allow all the things around you, no matter how bad they say it is, no matter how horrible it looks, we don't operate from that line of thinking. Because greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. We are fearless, right? Because perfect love drives out fear. And even though people, you know, they might hate you, we don't hate them. We walk in love. We operate from that principle of love. From the spirit of love. Sometimes love is tough. Sometimes love makes a stand that's unpopular. Sometimes love fights. Greater love than this has no man that he lay down his life for his friend. And you and I are called to be that. To be salt. Not so that people can say, wow, that's amazing salt, but so that people see the Lord. So let's pray. Father, I thank You that You have given us victory. That You have established victory for us as Your children. As one with You. And Father, You've given us Jesus. You have given grace upon grace to us. You have given us empowerment and enabled us. You have given us the hope of glory. Lord, You've given us the words to say. You've detailed it out for us. How we can walk in this victory. So Father, we just take a hold of this. We lay hold of these truths. And we declare over these United States of America, we declare victory. We declare peace over the land. 
we declare illumination to the truth of the gospel over the land. Father, I ask you to bring an impartation into your children in this nation, an impartation of truth, an impartation of, of understanding the season and time that we're in, Lord. In a boldness. Lord, I ask You for a fearless boldness like You are, Father. Because motivated by love. This is my request. This is our request this morning, Father. We lift up each leader. Each, we lift our president up. Each governor. Every, every senator. Every congressman. Every representative. Every mayor. Every city council member. Every, every judge. Father, every person in all the different spheres of influence and leadership in this land. Father, we lift them collectively to You right now. And Father, we ask that You would send people to those individuals. People that they will receive and listen to. People that will speak truths. People that will speak the Gospel to them. And Father, that the, the, their vision, their understanding will be changed to come into alignment with your eternal principles and truth of what you are doing in the earth today. Father, we align ourselves with this. And we bind this destructive force of deception. We bind these lies that have been released over this nation. Lord, we bind it up in the name of Jesus. We don't affect we don't allow you to infect us or affect us in a negative way, Father, because we set our minds and our hearts upon you, our hope. We set our eyes upon you, and we declare that this is our land, that you've given it to us, and Father, we will be that salt, that light that you have decreed for us to be. And Lord, we give to you our very lives, our very lives in service to you. Jesus be glorified, and everyone say amen. Thank God there is liberty where the Spirit of God is and where they know His truth and do His truth. The more the turmoil increases in the earth, the more opportunity you and I have to shine the flashlight of love, the flashlight of light, the flashlight of freedom and liberty. You are the flashlight, you understand. Jesus said you are the light of the world. Because He's in you. And there's no problem, no thing that's greater than that in you. So don't be dismayed. Don't be full of fear. Don't give any room to fear. Don't give any room to doubt. But stand, stand completely solid in what He has said. We're going to be changed. You know, I said you're light. Well, you're a mirror. And you're reflecting his glory. Most people look at you and go, well, that guy's a light. Yeah, you're a mirror. The light is in you. In Proverbs 23, in verse 7, it tells us that as a man, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. But that's only part of the verse. The verse goes on, and it's talking about sitting down with someone to eat. And as the person thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. So he says one thing, but he's thinking something different. On the inside, he's something different. And so what he says to you is deceptive. But there's other intentions on the inside. 
And so there is an incongruency there that the body of Christ is not called to be. Thinking one way, but saying something different. And so for you and I, being in, the, in a Word of Faith church that we're in, we're taught how important our words are and that our words carry the power of life and death and that what we say matters. However, what we say ought to come from a heart that believes. Not just lip service, but you say it because you believe it. Because you believe it. And so in the way to salvation is real simple, right? If you believe in your heart and say with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and has been raised from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes, and with the mouth one confesses, and it results in righteousness and in salvation. Those two things together. So for you and I, we want to make sure our, our confessing, our saying, lines up with what we believe. And what we believe starts up here with what we think. So what are you thinking? Has anyone ever said that to you? What are you thinking? I say that sometimes to my children. What are you thinking? Sometimes they're honest and say, I wasn't. Right? Have you ever done that? I wasn't. I wasn't thinking. I've done it. And sometimes when we're not thinking, we do things that we wouldn't do if we would give a little bit of thought to it. I've done it. And I've wished for time sometimes to do over, right? Things that I did that, man, if I'd have thought about it a little bit more, I could have changed my mindset and then acted differently. And so for you and I, it's very important that we learn Here's the message that we learn how to see and how to think from this. From the Spirit of Christ that lives in you and that brings His instruction here and opens it up in for you to understand and to know. You know, the words on the page, they're useless if you don't have the Spirit of Christ working with them in you. They're just words. They do nothing. But as soon as you mix those with the Spirit of life, And He awakens those words to you and you realize there is someone behind the words. There is someone that says those words. That's what it's all about. And understanding and knowing the heart and character of God based upon what He said here will make your way of thinking change from this to this. And you become like Him. We had several weeks ago started... um, Well... Maybe you didn't know we started a series, but we did because this is the second sermon and two makes a series. So, (laughs) called Changed into His Likeness, about being transformed by our thinking. And one of the things in review that we looked at was we understand that when man becomes born again, it's not his flesh that becomes born again. Because if, if you had something in your body that your flesh still needs a shower, right? After a day or two, it begins to stink. Your flesh still is prone to all kinds of breakdown and and decay. It's flesh. And so it requires you tapping into the spirit of life, the law of life, to get you to operate in that law of life so that your flesh cooperates with it. So healing always begins on the inside. If you're going to be healed by faith, it has to come from the inside, from He, the greater one in you. And in your spirit, man, He bears witness with your spirit. See, first and foremost, we're spirits. That's the part that got born again. Your spirit person 
got changed, completely changed, new, born again, a new spirit. And all things old have passed away, all new things have come. It's talking about the inside. You know, if you were, if you were losing your hair before you got born again, after you got born again, that didn't change. Right? Now you could believe God for hair if you want hair. Don't look at me like that. I don't want hair. I'm getting sidetracked. Where was I, Adrian? Being born again. So our spirit man is born again. Our flesh is not born again. Our, our thinking isn't born again. That'd be our mind, our soul realm. Your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, that's not born again. If you had uh, issues in your thinking before you got saved, after you were saved, you still have those issues that you have to deal with and bring correction to. And that's why a lot of people get confused. People that are uneducated about how these things work is they get saved and they have that wonderful um, flying on cloud nine feeling on the inside. What that is, that's called peace on the inside. And then they go out and their old way of thinking is still there and they, they do something in line with the old way of thinking and they go, oh man, maybe I'm not saved after all. No, your spirit man's been saved, but your thinking still needs to be transformed and changed. And that responsibility lies with you and I. So in 2 Corinthians, let's go there, and then this is in review. I need to go quickly. Thank you, Lord, that you redeem the time and give me the tongue of a ready writer. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18, it says, We all with unveiled faces, because under the old law, People had veiled, they, they, they were veiled, they couldn't understand. But now, in Christ, that veil is removed. A few verses back, it says that. But in verse 18, we all with unveiled faces are reflecting the glory of the Lord and are being transformed. Everyone say transformed. Into the same image from Glory to glory, from one degree of brightness to another degree of brightness. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit on the inside. This is from the Lord, the Spirit on the inside. I want you to understand that Paul is writing this to born-again people. People that have made this commitment already. I mean, it's in the middle of the book of 2 Corinthians. It's his second letter to a church of believers. And he's telling these believers that you need to be transformed in your way of thinking. That as you reflect the Messiah, as you reflect the Father, that you will be changed from one degree of brightness to another degree of brightness. And so if they back then needed to have this transformation take place in their mind, surely you and I need to. Transformed. I mean, some of you are familiar with the the Transformer movies, right? They change from one thing into something else. Well, that's what's supposed to take place in you you and I's mind. It's supposed to change from one thing into something else. Another thing. A transformation. The... uh, TPT translation reads that verse this way. We can all draw close to Him with the veil veil removed from our faces. And with no veil, we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. 
We are being transfigured into His very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And this glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Makes it real clear, doesn't it? Romans 12, we used this as our platform verse last week. Let's go over there and look at it. Romans 12, many of you could probably quote this. If you cannot, I recommend you learn it. Take it and meditate these verses, memorize them. In verse 1 of chapter 12 in Romans, Therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, I urge you, someone say, that's me, to present your body, say, my body, as a living sacrifice. Not a dead sacrifice, a living one. A body that's alive. Holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed. Do not be pressured to this age. Do not be, don't take on the form of this age or this world is what he's telling us. But be transformed. That's continuous ongoing action. The ISV actually reads this way. He said, be content, or continually be transformed. That word be means ongoing, continuous action. It's not a one-time event. It doesn't happen when you get born again. This transformation of mind takes place on a continual, ongoing basis. So be transformed by the renewing of your flesh? No. By the renewing of your spirit? No. By the renewing of your thinking, of your mind? Well, how would we renew our thinking? How do we get new thoughts? You know, in Ephesians, where Paul is giving instruction to the husbands on how to love their wives, how to treat their wives, their mode of operation with their wife, he uses Jesus and the church as an illustration. And he says that what Jesus does for the church, this is the point, what Jesus does for the church, He washes them in the water of the Word. There is a cleaning that takes place in the, in the water of the Word. That's how you renew it, is with the water of the Word. In, in John chapter 15, where Jesus is talking about the vine and the branches, and He talks about the pruning that takes place, on the heels of that, He says to the disciples, He said, but you are clean already because of the Word I've spoken to you. The Word has a cleansing effect to it. Now don't forget, Jesus is... The Word. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And so, there, it's the living Word. Someone say the living Word. I've written in the margin of my Bible a quote from E.W. Kenyon. If you're not familiar with E.W. Kenyon books, I highly recommend them. In fact, if there was one book, if you took every book away from me, including the Bible, and I couldn't have the Bible, I would ask for one book. And that would be Advanced Bible Studies by E.W. Kenyon. If I had to get locked away and couldn't have a Bible for 20 years, it would be that book. It's so full of Scripture, it's practically the Bible. He said this, he said, The Word builds the Christ nature and the love nature of the Father into the individual. God is building Himself into us. Making Himself a part of us. As the Word dominates, rules, and satisfies our spiritual nature. 
So as the Word, as you are taking the Word in as bread, as you are eating the Word, remember that Jesus said the Word, this is the bread of life, the Word is the bread of life, and that man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word, because He was talking about natural bread, and then He changes it to, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. And so here, as that word comes in and dominates and rules on the end, renews your mind is another way of saying it. You begin to reflect the nature of the Father. You begin to behave like the Father. You begin to think like the Father. Because you see like the Father. Now, here is the purpose of it. The renewing of your mind. Now, here's why you need a renewed mind. So that you may discern what is the good and pleasing and perfect will of God. Ephesians says, don't be stupid, but know what the will of God is. We are to know what His will is. We should not be caught in a position, well, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, you might not know. Now your responsibility is go find out. What's our step? What do we do? We are to know what His will is for us. Not be in a place of confusion. Because where confusion is, there is strife and every evil work. So if you are in a... Listen, this is life's bread for someone this morning. If you're in a state of confusion, move away from that place. I'm saying, find what you need to do. to Whatever it takes to get out of that confusion mental state. And know, discern, understand what... The good, the pleasing, the perfect will of God is. The NLT says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The TPT translation, it's the Passion Translation, if you're wondering what that stands for. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but inwardly, no, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. How many of you have, remember studying the Reformation Age and how everything changed during the Reformation Age? Well, we're talking about natural things, business things, cultural things that changed, but we're talking about a renovation of the inside here. A renovation of, of the mind. A total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. Go with me over to Psalms 139. Psalms 139 and let's look at verse 2. Are you and I's thoughts important? Are how we think important? Is how we think important? Are the thoughts that we think, can they be the difference between life and death? Let's see here in Psalms 139 in verse 2. You know when I sit down. He's talking to the Father. He says, you know when I sit down and when I stand up. You understand my thoughts from far away. So He knows our thoughts. He understands our thoughts. He cares enough about you and I that He pays attention to our thoughts. You observe my travels and my rest. You are aware of all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know all about it, Lord. Before the word is on your tongue, meaning while it's still 
in thought form in your head. He knows all about what's about to come out of your mouth. He knows our thoughts. You have encircled me. You have placed your hand on me. This extraordinary knowledge is beyond me and is lofty. I am unable to reach it. Put verse 17 up, but do in the ESV. Verse 17 in the ESV. The Holman is one of my favorite translations. It's what I read normally from. However, they really butcher verse 17. So here in the ESV, it says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O Lord. Are His thoughts precious to you? How would you know what His thoughts are? Obviously, we have to look at the manual to see what His thinking is. What are His thoughts? Are they precious to you? Only you can judge that. One of the ways that you can judge it, if you're going to judge yourself, because that's the best way, it's better to be judged by yourself than judged by the Lord or anyone else. Judge yourself. It's a gift. The Lord has given to us to be able to judge ourselves. And um, so examine yourself and say, well, what are my thoughts? One of the ways that you'll know your dominant thoughts is your actions. Whatever your actions are, those are your dominant thoughts. It doesn't mean you don't have any other thoughts. Other thoughts haven't crossed your mind. But the dominant thoughts are the ones that come out in actions. They'll come out in words. They'll come out in actions. If you look down in verse 23, it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there's an offensive way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. So test my thoughts, know my thoughts. We need mind renewal in order to be able to address this time and season that we live in. In order to be able to receive seasons of refreshing in the middle of these storms, cultural storms around us. In the middle of all these things that are proclaimed around us, we need to be able to have the right thinking that allows us to operate from a position of truth and strength rather than of fear and weakness. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 6. In Genesis 6, you know, what is a thought? A thought is a shaper. In Genesis 6, in verse 5, this is pre-flood, and this is where the Lord is deciding that He has had enough. And in verse 5 of chapter 6, it says, When the Lord saw that man's wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every scheme his mind thought of was nothing but evil all the time. The Lord regretted that He'd made man. And so then judgment came. But their thinking was evil. You know, there are only two things that are going on, only two things that are going on in the earth today. It's the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Those are the only two things that are taking place in the earth. And you're in one of those two camps. And depending on which camp you're in is the thinking that you, you will operate from. If you're from the kingdom of light, but living in the kingdom of darkness, it won't be long, but that darkness in you, will, how great will the darkness be in you? Is what Jesus said. So even though we're in the world, we're not of it, we're now of the kingdom of light, and the light that is within you is supposed to dispel that darkness. And so when you are in the kingdom of light, I said there's two things that are going on in the earth, kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. Did you know that both want to influence your thinking? The kingdom of light has thoughts 
that the Father presents to you. Their thoughts you read, their thoughts that by the Spirit of God on the inside of you present to you. Then the kingdom of darkness presents thoughts as well. And here we can see they prevail. And so the Father had to do something about it. And we know what happened. The flood, the flood happened. The battle is over your mind. You know, in 1 Corinthians, or 2 Corinthians, you don't need to turn there, I'll just read quickly. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 3 and 4, it says, If our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. Not blinded their flesh, not made their flesh feel good, but blinded their minds. So they cannot see. Everyone say see. So they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. You know, sometimes in order to change your thinking, you need to change your seeing. You need to have a, a, a change and a shift of perspective. In fact, why don't we do that right now? Everyone gather up your things and go to the other side of the, of the aisle and sit where you, where, where you were, but on that side. And from this side over here, you come sit on this side. Everyone change places. Stay in the same row if you're able. If, if you're not able, then move up a row. What was that? <laughs> Musical chairs. We need traffic lights in this place. I like it, John. You even put sunglasses on. Man, change it all. I know, this is like, what's going on here? Alright, so you just had a shift in perspective. I didn't say you had to like it, <laughs> but sometimes a shift in perspective is what is needed so that we see things from a different position. Because the position that we were in before limited our seeing. We could only see it from one angle, but as soon as we change a little bit and look back at the same point, you go, oh, that is different. Didn't know he had a mole on that side of his face. Change in perspective. Let's go over to Genesis chapter 13. You know, your thinking, your seeing is so important. Your seeing. In Genesis 13, this is where the father is talking to Abraham, or Abram. And Lot and Abram had just separated. Lot moves on down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, takes the lush green valley, and Abram is going a different direction. And the Lord says to Abram in chapter 13 and verse 14, after Lot had separated from him, the Lord said to Abram, look, everyone say look. Look, look from the place where you are. Look north, look south, look east, look west. For I will give you and your offspring forever all the land that you see. Someone say see. Why did the Lord want him to look with his eyes? Why did he want him to see? Because he had to expand what he was seeing on the inside. It was important that Abram get a different vision on the inside than he had before. And the Lord said, I'm going to give you everything you can see. The vision God had for Abram is limited by what Abram can see. The vision that God has for you is limited by what you can see. In fact, it goes even further and he says here in the next verse, he says, I will make your offspring like the dust of the earth more images so that if you could count the dust of the earth, then your offspring could be counted. 
And then he's not satisfied with what he can see just by looking in every direction. Now he gives them some more instructions. He says, get up and walk. See more. Because if you get up and move from this perspective to this perspective, you will see more than you could see from that original position. And it was important to the Lord that Abram expand the vision that he had in here. And so a very natural thing of seeing in the natural realm, the Lord tells him, look and see, this land is all yours, but don't stop there. Take a walk and see more. He says, get up, walk from one end of the land to the other, for I will give it to you. It's important you see it all, he's saying. Walk the whole thing. Look at all of it. I need to get this vision on the inside of you. If you want to think like God thinks, then you need to see what He sees. See like He sees. In Acts 14, in verse 2, they are in Iconium. They went into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. In verse 2, but the Jews who refused to believe stirred up and poisoned the minds of the Gentiles against the brothers. They put, uh, put, put up verse 2 in the King James Version of, of 14.2. Acts 14.2 in the King James. And they poisoned their thinking. These people came. There was a difference happening. Light was coming. The, I said there's two things in the earth. The kingdom of light, kingdom of darkness. And you see the battlefield is over the minds of people. Over people's thinking. And so here come these guys, these evildoers, and they poison their mind. The King James... Uh, do you have the King James? says, made their minds evil affected. Sounds like a disease, doesn't it? Evil affected. Infected their thinking with evil. If you go on and you, now you see the flip side of it, you look down. Um, so, so a bunch of people believe persecution breaks out. So they flee. They come to Lystra in verse 8. A man without strength in his feet, lame from birth, who had never walked, sat, and heard Paul speaking. That hearing, faith comes by hearing. You know, faith is what you see on the inside. If you can't see it on the inside, you're not going to have it on the outside. This is not some kind of new age hocus pocus. The truth is, if you don't see it, you won't believe it. Your mind works in pictures. What you think is what you see on the inside. Six foot tall pink bunny rabbit. Big long ears. This long. Pink ears. See? I just say words and you begin to form images in your mind. And your mind works in these images. In fact, Paul said, you know, our outer person is being destroyed day by day, but our inside is being renewed because... The reason is, is how they see. He said, because we don't look at what is seen in the natural, we look at what is unseen in the supernatural, in the spiritual. On the inside is the way of saying that. Seeing on the inside, in the spiritual realm. That truth was affecting their outward body. That's why they were renewed day by day. Because the prior verses, they said, man, we despaired even of life. Man, we've been down. We're not out. But we've been crushed. We've been beaten. We've been all these things. But we're not looking at the natural. We're looking on the inside and we're renewed day by day. Man, you can start hearing the victory bubbling up. So this guy, he heard. And so something is happening on the inside. And after 
Paul is preaching after observing him closely and seeing that he had faith to be healed, Paul said in a loud voice, stand up straighter on your feet, and he jumped up and started to walk around. So here you see, in one case, minds were poisoned. In the other case, minds were set free. Minds were given over to life because of a change in thinking. Thoughts for good. Let's go over to 2 Peter. I have a couple more scriptures to go to. Maybe two. 2 Peter chapter 2. This is one of my favorite passages among many. 2 Peter 2 verse 2. May, the, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. How, grace is God's ability coming to help you do something you cannot do on your own. It's His empowerment, His able, enablement. Peace, well, the peace of God passes all natural understanding, even when it doesn't make sense. You can be at rest and at peace on the inside. So may grace and peace not just be added a little bit to you, but be multiplied to you. How does this come? Through the knowledge, you have to know it, through your thinking. Through, through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It's by knowing, by mind renewal. The battle is over the minds of people. Verse 3, For His divine power has given us everything. Someone say everything. Required for life and godliness through, here it is again, the knowledge, that's thinking, through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. By these, He has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. So, by your thinking, you can overcome and prevail over evil desires. By godly thinking. He says in verse 5, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with goodness. Goodness with knowledge. Knowledge with self-control. Self-control with endurance. Endurance with godliness. Godliness with brotherly affection. Brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they will keep you from being useless or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So knowledge must lead to action. Thinking will lead to action. Your thinking, your dominant thoughts are what you act upon. If your dominant thought was this building is on fire and is in imminent danger of collapsing, your action would be to get up and move yourself out the door. But none of you believe that this morning. Because you're still sitting here. So these things will keep you from being useless and unfruitful in this knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 9, the person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted. Here we have it again, a seeing problem. A seeing problem. What are you seeing? I know this is an old saying, the television tells you your vision. So guard your eye gate, what you see on the television Man, I didn't know we came to an Amish church this morning. Where was I? Verse 9. The person who lacks these things is blind and short-sighted and has forgotten the cleansing from his past sins. 
Therefore, brothers, here's why, brothers, make every effort to confirm your calling and election. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. What's your calling and election? I said there's two things going on in the earth today. The kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. All of us have been called to the kingdom of light. All of us have been called. The entire earth has been called to the kingdom of light. The election part is this. Just to make it real simple for some of you that don't understand. The Lord has cast His vote on the issue. The devil has cast his vote on the issue. You have the tie-breaking vote. The election. Make the election sure. Are you hearing me? I know that's an oversimplification, but some of us need that. He's called you. He's cast the vote. And you put your vote with His. And make sure of it. Because if you do these things, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be richly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always remind you about these things, even though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. Peter is saying, man, he said, I know you know this, but I'm going to remind you of it. That is great comfort to me, that verse. Because I can preach the same thing again and again and say Peter did it, so I can too, right? I just preach what the Lord tells me to preach. That's what I do. Let's go to Hebrews and we're going to close there, I think. It's good to have disclaimers. Hebrews chapter 11. Our thinking is what limits us. Or we could say it another way, our seeing can limit us because what you see is what you'll think on the inside. And if you have the picture and image that the Lord wants you to have on the inside, you know, Gene and I and some of the others were talking yesterday about the vision or, or asking really big of the Lord. Asking much bigger than what we've asked before. The only reason we would do that is if we see bigger than we've seen before. We have to ask the, for the blinders. Those blinders need to be removed. And we have to ask the Lord in, in accordance with His vision. Not what we think is possible. In accordance with His vision. What He is seeing, not what we see in the natural. Here in verse 11 of Hebrews, I mean chapter 11 of Hebrews, in verse 8, by faith Abram. Now remember, now it refers to him as Abraham, but the Lord had told him to go look. Later on, we didn't read it, but the Lord takes him outside. Because he still didn't get it. And tells him, look up at the stars. Can you count those? It's like, no. <laughs> and I, there's actually an estimate of with the naked eye, a person can see, I forget how many stars it is. I, I don't know how they counted them, but someone had extra time on their hands, I guess. But there's a lot of them. And he says, look at, them, look at those stars. And can you count those? And he's getting an image into him, thinking the way he thinks. Well, here in verse 8 of Hebrews 11, it says, By, uh, by faith Abraham, when he was called obeyed and went out to a place he was going to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking. Someone say looking. For he was looking forward. You know the direction you look is pretty important. If you are caught up in looking to the past and how things used to be, Listen, right now, you and I, we want things to go back to normal as far as 
our culture goes and, and this whole sickness and things. But in reality, maybe normal isn't what we're looking for. Maybe we need to shift our gaze to a new normal, all right, but not the normal they're trumpeting. The new normal, one of revival. Right? One of a God-fearing land, a God-serving land. So we look forward to the promise. Not back to how things used to be. Forward to the promise. We don't want to go back to how things were. No way. We want to go much further than that. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose architect and builder is God. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was barren, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. And therefore, from one man, in fact, from one as good as dead, came offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as innumerable as the grains of sand by the seashore. Now, this number comes because of the blood of Jesus. All the adoptions that are constantly taking place, still growing, ever expanding, it's not finished. Verse 13, these all died in faith without having received the promises. So they believed something that they did not see come to pass in their lifetime in the natural realm. They did see it though. If you just read the next line. But they saw them from a distance. They did see them on the inside. So their thinking lined up with the Father's thinking. Their vision lined up with the Father's vision. And because of that thinking on the inside, that kept them on the path they needed to be on so that future generations, you and I, directly, you and I are recipients of them seeing that from a distance, even though, and staying the course and not giving up because they didn't see it happen in the natural. Faithfulness to stay the course. Because their thinking was not set on natural thinking, but on His way of thinking. They saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners and temporary residents in the earth. Now those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. And if you go on and it it says how God was preparing a city for them, if you jump all the way down to verse 39, all these, again it says, all these were approved through their faith, and they did not receive what was promised. Since God has provided something better for us, so that they would not be made perfect or complete without us. Therefore, or here's why, or pay attention, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us, That sin always starts first in our thoughts. A thought is not sin. The enemy can project a thought to you. That thought is not sin. Where you go with that thought is what will determine is it sin or not. See, temptation is not sin. It's important we understand. Because because the enemy likes to beat you up for wrong thoughts. Give you a thought and then say, shame on you for having that thought. Well, that thought wasn't mine. That was your thought. Shame on you, devil. I am from above. You are from beneath. He that lives in me is greater than you. My thoughts come from him. My identity is in him. My identity is not this natural outside realm where you exist. 
He goes on and we're going to lay aside those sins, the weight that so easily ensnares us, and run with patience the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes, this is where I wanted to get to, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and, and finisher, perfecter, the completer of our faith, who for the joy that lay before Him endured a cross and despised the shame and sat down at the right hand of God's throne. He saw something. He looked at something. And so we're looking at Him. The victory that He gives to you and I. We're looking at Him. And when the new report comes across the news that, oh, there's a new strain. Twice as deadly, four times more contagious. Say, now, whose report have you believed? There's no disease deadly enough to overcome Him in me. Or maybe the report comes something different. You know, I saw the other day they're trying to say, scare everyone about a possible swine flu, a new one. Have you noticed that the COVID, um, the numbers they're releasing are no longer the death numbers, they're the infection rate? Because the infection rate has gone up, but the, the death numbers have gone down. So they're going to focus on to make it sound bad, it went up. When they could tell you, you know what? Less and less people are dying every day from COVID. Isn't that great? <laughs> what you see is so important. What you see. So guard your eye gate, especially during this time. Be deliberate to eat the Word with your eyes. Set before you, before your vision, the character, the words, the promises of God. And you will be more than conquerors. More than conquerors. Stand with me and let's... Father, I release peace upon each person right now in the name of Jesus. According to your promise, be it unto each one here. Deliverance, healing, salvation of every kind, of every form. In every sphere, salvation of Jesus belongs to us. And we receive it. We lay hold of it. Father, we put our eyes on You. Lord, when we begin to look at something that is not of You this week, I'm asking You, Lord, to arrest us on the inside by Your Spirit. Stop us and, and, and shake us on the inside and say, no, 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 look at this over here. Look at me. Look at what I've promised. Look at what I've said. And Father, I personally, I covenant with You to look at that. How many can say, I covenant with You, Lord, to see what You see. Give me eyes to see. Give me ears to hear. Your truth, Your words, Your light. In Jesus' name. And so be it unto us in every way. And I thank You for it. Well, one way that we love God is by loving on one another. We'll have a time of fellowship downstairs. Everyone is invited to join us there. Well, good morning. This is your call to worship. So if you can find a seat or rather find a place to stand, because we're going to do that right here in a moment. I want to read to you from Psalm 47. It says, clap your hands, all you peoples. I'm at the right place this morning. Shout to God with a jubilant cry. Yeah! 
This word shout in the Hebrew means to split the ears. <laughs> so if you're sitting here and you're going, well, why do we, uh, why do we raise our hands? Why do we clap in rhythm with the music? Why do we shout to the Lord? Well, because it's scriptural. Because the Word tells us to. You know, the, wor- the word psalms, it means psalms. These are songs, and they were meant to be sung. And so here, all through the Psalms and in other places, we're told to lift up our hands to the Lord. We're told to shout to the Lord. We're told to dance to the Lord. We're told to clap our hands. And that doesn't mean necessarily an applause, but usually it's, it's, the way it's written is like in time with the music. And so let's be, let's be from a heart that truly worships from the spirit of worship. Let's allow our body to express what's in our heart and to worship the Lord Jesus. I'm going to go on and read here. It says, For the Lord Most High is awe-inspiring, a great king over all the earth. He subdues people under us and nations under our feet. He chooses for us our inheritance, the pride of Jacob whom he loves, Selah. God ascends amid shouts of joy. The Lord amid the sound of trumpets. I don't know, John, maybe we need to get a trumpet. (laughs) That was, wasn't it? Sing praise to God. So singing is biblical, isn't it? Sing praise. Sing praise to our King. Sing praise. says it four times in that verse. Sing a song of instruction. For God is king of all the earth. God reigns over the nations. God is seated on his holy throne. The nobles of the peoples have assembled with the people of God of Abraham. For the leaders of the earth belong to God. He is greatly exalted. So stand with me and let's worship the Lord. Let's just lift up our hands to him. Father, we worship you. We exalt you. We recognize the lordship of Jesus over this house this morning. And Father, we humble ourselves under your mighty hand. And we recognize that you're the source of every good thing we've ever experienced. Every good thing that we ever will experience is from you. And because of this, Lord, we rejoice that you are good just as you have said. You are a good Father. Someone say, He is a good Father. He's a good Father. Father, we thank you for your grace upon grace. For the mercy you have extended that's new every morning. For the grace that you have released to us in Jesus. We receive it gratefully. We thank you for it. We give you our sacrifice of praise, Father. A sacrifice of praise from our lips, from hearts that love you. We worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. We bless you. Bless you. Someone say, I bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. You are awesome, Father. You are wonderful. More wonderful than our minds can understand or conceive. Now, Father, I'm asking you this morning to bring illumination to our mind. Give us understanding to a greater level of how wonderful, how good you are. 
of how there's no bad in you, but you're only good, always only good. And we worship you. You know, the sacrifice of praise from our lips is pleasing to Him. You know, there's something that He desires even more, and it's obedience. He desires obedience over sacrifice. And so, uh, this morning, in obedience to the Great Commission, in obedience to what He has commanded us, we send a team out on the first Sunday of every month to uh, City Gate, both in Lancaster and in Columbia. And, and that's just simply being obedient to what the Word tells us to do, to go and preach the Gospel to, to everyone. And they're part of everyone. So, the teams that are going this morning, why don't you come up and we're going to pray over you. You know, we sang a song about the Lord has promised something. Breakthrough is coming. And so, no promise in the Word is greater than the promise to, you know, until the whole world hears, then the end will come. So the whole world needs to hear. So not only has the Lord commissioned us to do this, but His grace enables us to do it. His grace... That's a promise, right? Breakthrough is coming because He's given us His promise and we stand on that promise. And so this morning, as you go this morning, put your promise on the enablement of the Father, enabling your words. That when you you tell the good news, man, they're going to go like arrows into the heart. And they're going to bring encouragement. They're going to bring life to the people that hear it. And His grace... Your words will drip with His anointing. Amen. Father, we thank You. Just stretch out Your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank You for each one of these that You've put it in their heart to go, Lord. I ask You to bless them for their obedience to You. Father, I ask You to enable them and empower them according to Your promise that they would have the Word to speak in the moment that it needs spoken, the right Word to the right person. Father, open up the hearts, prepare the minds and the ears to hear and to see truth. Lord, give them, give them a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, but that moving of the gifts of the Spirit, Father, today down there, moving of signs and wonders, confirming Your Word as it is explained to them, as it is proclaimed to those that come out to be fed, Lord, that You would encounter them in that moment right there. Lord, I thank You for the safety that You've promised. That as we go in obedience to You, that nothing shall by any means harm them. I thank You for it. I thank You for Your angels that You've assigned to protect them. We call them protected and hidden in the secret place. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, so be it. All right, you may be seated or or go to your various places. Jesus asked a question, would He find faith? in the earth when He comes? Would He find faith? And um, one person here thinks so. (laughs) How about the rest of you? Will He find faith? Amen. Well, one of the ways that we show faith is by the things we say, right? We we speak what we believe. So, we're going to release the children and the ministry workers to their various classes. And as they're going... 
Speak words of faith over your neighbor. Find someone and bless them with a promise of the Lord. You know, just saying simple things that the Scripture says, like, God bless you. Did you know that's Scripture? God bless you. You can release faith in it. It's not just a greeting, but it actually carries the power of God inside of those words. So go ahead and greet someone, welcome someone, love on each other. Well, good morning, everyone. I trust you had a good Independence Day celebrating our freedoms. Freedom that was paid for with people's blood. Are you thankful? I know I am. Thankful for what God has entrusted to us, and we have a responsibility to uh, keep what has been given. Amen. All right, well, welcome to Church of the Word International. If you're here for the very first time, can you raise your hand so we can recognize you? We have a few guests over here. Let's give them a welcome. Our ushers have so, um, several cards there. If you want to fill those out and put them in the basket when it goes by, you are welcome to do so. If you need a cash envelope for your giving, raise your hand. The ushers will get one to you. If you're giving by credit card, do fill out all of the blanks. If you're making out a check, you can write it out to CWI. Well, God has a same theme going on here with promises, keeping us promises. Last week, I, I asked the question, what has God promised us concerning finances? Anybody here last week? Well, I got a little bit of a dribbling response, in my opinion. So <laughs> maybe that was just because y'all were just giving everybody opportunity to speak. You know, probably, probably that. You know, didn't want to trip over each other or anything. But in case it was because you weren't quite sure what the word said, we're going to give you some scriptures. What has God promised concerning finances? I'm going to give you six things. There's five scriptures, but six things. Now, this is, this is just the tip of the iceberg, okay? We, we don't need to take all the time this morning. So, thing number one, your storehouses filled. He's promised to fill our storehouses. The scripture is Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, where he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled and your vats will burst forth with new wine. Thing number two, the windows of heaven are opened for you, and blessing is poured out until there's no more need. And in the same scripture, the devourer is rebuked, so your crops don't be destroyed and your, your income isn't ruined. Number four, that's in Malachi 3, 10 and 11. Number four, promise that the Lord has made to us. All the things that the Gentiles seek after will be added to you. Think about that. Most people's whole priority in life is just to exist and make a living and, you know, maybe have some good vacations and stuff. That's what the world seeks after. God's promised all those things will be added to you. Number five, people will give to you. Back up. The scripture for that one was Matthew 6.33. Number five, people will give to you. And that's in Luke 6.38. And number six, God will meet all of your needs. And that's in Philippians 4.19. Now, in all of those things, we have a move first. There's a move first on our part in all of those things. In the first scripture I gave, says we honor the Lord with our wealth. And then your storehouses are filled. Number two, we return the full tenth 
to the Lord in Malachi 3, and then the devourers rebuked, and the windows of, of heaven is opened for us. Number three, we seek first the kingdom of God. That's our number one priority, not making a living. That comes first. And then all the things that the Gentiles seek after is added to us. Number four, you give. You give. And then it shall be given to you. It says men will give into your bosom with the same measure you're meeting out. So that's a promise. Um, Number five goes along with, well, yeah, goes along with the previous two. So I want to read that, though. It's in Philippians 4.19 because we got to give some context here. So the move on our part in this number five one is as we give offerings and support God's people and work, our needs are met. Now, we quote this verse a lot. You know, all of our needs are met according to his riches and glory. Um, if you back up in that chapter, chapter uh, verse 13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Ephroditus the gifts you sent a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And then it says, so what have they just been doing? They've been doing Matthew 6.33. They've been doing Luke 6.38. As they give, it's going to be given, you know, seeking first the kingdom. Then he says, so on the heels of all that giving and prioritizing God's kingdom and God's work and his ministries, he says, and my God will supply Every need of yours according to his riches in glory, Christ Jesus. So what God has promised generations ago still stands. It hasn't weakened. He's good for it. And as we act on his word, we absolutely can expect him to do his word. And he's good for it. So let's believe God. So these are things he's promised us concerning our finances. Let's release our faith as we return the tithe to the Lord. Father, we are so grateful for your word this morning. We're so grateful for your kindness and your abundant heart toward us. And we know we can count on you. We know that you keep your word and as we act on your word, that you're good for it. So we just give you praise. We thank you. We present the tithe to you. We present our offerings to you from hearts of love and faith. And we just are so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And the ushers can pass the baskets, and the people will give to the Lord. All right, a couple things I wanted to mention from the bulletin. So we had in here to pray for the trip or the missions team that's going to Ghana. Unfortunately, that has been canceled. So flights and, you know, the whole mess that's been going on, (laughs) you know the drill. So... What is good, though, is that the work is still going on in Ghana. So the people there in Ghana are going to continue that on. So praise God for being able to pass the baton like that. Now, as I understand, they are planning a trip next year, so we can put our faith for that one to go forward. But uh, be encouraged the work's still going to happen in Ghana.